from Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health, one tip and story at a time. My guest today is Alyssa McCauley. Born and raised in South Florida, Alyssa has dedicated her adult life to helping people heal and prevent injury with a specialty in pain-free strength training, mobility, and low back pain. After overcoming several life-changing injuries herself, she created Energy Mitigates Pain, her company that helps others not only heal, but return better than ever. Her education and expertise is mixed with compassion and empathy for her wide-ranging client base while spreading her philosophies and empowering others to more fully embrace and enjoy their lives. I have some back pain today, so I'm excited to explore that. And with that, welcome, Melissa. What's up? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. I actually personally have a little bit of back pain today, too. Okay. I love that. So let's jump into it. Let's yeah. jump right in. So we met through our practitioner circle. Uh, for those listening, we have a wellness practitioners group where people kind of around the country get together and chat and learn and share and help each other out. And I remember just from the couple conversations we've had through that, always immediately being like, oh, she has something awesome going on. And not just in like a business sense or something like that, more just as a person. Like there are certain people where you sort of connect with and you're like, okay, this person is here for a larger purpose and doing something special. So that is not only why I'm excited to talk with you, but um, just something I noticed about you right away. Thank you. Thank you. That actually means a lot to me because that's try. I try to portray that with, you know, everything that I do and how I just show up, you know, that there is more um, in this life than, you know, what is just on the surface with most people. Totally. So before getting into anything specific about work, like give some context. Like I know I mentioned in the intro, some injuries, like how did you get into this space? Give a little like origin story. So a little bit about me and my past and kind of what brought me to this. I grew up playing sports and, and basketball for my main sport and ended up playing college basketball until I was about 22. And uh, the, through the span of my career, I was kind of just plagued with a bunch of injuries from the time I was in like fifth grade. <laughs> wow. and yeah, it started with a sprained ankle. <laughs> and from there, it was like pretty much every season I was dealing with some kind of injury. Mm. And, um, you know, even from the time I was 12 or 13 years old was when my back pain started and I fell outside on the basketball court at school. And it kind of went from there, went to a spine specialist who then told me I have some, something congenital, um, uh, called spondylolisthesis, where it looks like my vertebra is kind of slipped forward, but really it's that one of them is kind of like smaller. My L5 is smaller than my L4. And so, you know, throughout my career in my teens, you know, I was always getting, treatment from massage therapists, chiropractors. Um, not that I was constantly in pain, but it was something that was recurring. And then from there, I had other injuries too: shoulder injuries, subluxations. I had ACL surgery when I was 20. 
Um, and then from there, other ankle injuries, pretty much a laundry list of stuff throughout my career. Um, and so through that, I just, I gravitated, especially after the ACL surgery to want to be a physical therapist. And then throughout COVID, um, I kind of reevaluated that. Uh, I was already a certified certified trainer and I just realized I don't need to go $70,000 into debt to help people and fulfill my passion. My passion is helping people. Mm. So I dropped the idea of going to PT school and I just kind of continued on my path with the knowledge that I had from my experience through all my injuries and just being who I am and um, trying to enrich people's lives that way. And it brought me here. And, uh, I, I see that I am successfully able to do that still. And if I so choose to, I can still go back to PT school, but, yeah. um, it's, it's been a journey that is very close to me because I've experienced the pain and I've been through an immense amount of pain in my life that I understand when people are going through it, what it's like to feel like there's like no light at the end of the tunnel and that, you know, there's just like no hope and and how mentally fatiguing that can be too. Like I've just gone through it so many times from a young age that um, it's, it's something that is not just physical. It is whole body. Mm. I, I, I really, it's really fulfilling to be able to help other people through that same process. When you look at pain and like looking back at what you went through, I think it's so true what you just said. One of the underrated pieces of it is beyond pain, right? Like we've all felt back pain. We've all felt this kind of, I mean, to varying degrees, right? Mm-hmm. But the ripple effect mentally, emotionally that comes from that and being more, even just more irritable as a person or not feeling self-sustained or like all of that type of stuff that comes with it. I feel like it's the part of it nobody usually talks about. Um, When you look back at your own injuries, and it sounds like it was like a wide variety of injuries, but (laughs) how much in the recovery process was around the mental emotional piece versus just the pure physical? So I would say not up until like, I had a little bit of, some mental support from one of my coaches. Cause she actually was a psychology major in, in a school from my ACL surgery. She was, she could like take one look at me, put her hand on me and make me cry. Wow. <laughs> um, and that was how powerful yeah. it was, you know? And, you know, in the time I was like standing on the basketball court with this knee brace on staring at everybody else playing and like on the verge of tears. And she was just like, you don't know why this is happening now, but it'll be for a bigger purpose. And she was 100% right. Wow. And um, shout out to Coach MJ. <laughs> um, Love it. He's uh, incredible. But that was probably the beginning of that. That recovery for me was the most mentally fatiguing that I had ever gone through. I wouldn't wish ACL surgery on my worst enemy. <laughs> um, yeah, and- I was going to I was going to ask on that, too, but I'll let I'll let you finish and then we'll we'll go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then through this, this past year, more particularly with the back pain that I've been going through, um, that for me and a lot of self-development and two years of consistent therapy, uh, has had me just tune in more to feeling my emotions in my body, acknowledging them and releasing them in that process of 
I'm in pain, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. And if I ignore that, it's going to make it worse, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that is so fascinating that you just said that because it's so true. It's something I've experienced that it's, it's like our culture almost glorifies pain in a Mm -hmm. weird way. Like, like pain in a lot of ways gets the story that is often told is, you know, no pain, no gain. You feel pain. That's part of the process. Mm -hmm. There's some element of suffering to then get through the other side, or there's some element of discipline and you, you, you know, don't complain and just push through it. Mm -hmm. And at what point do you find that helpful in like a motivational sort of way, maybe, or are you kind of like, that's completely insane and backwards. Why are we talking that way? Mm -hmm. Like, what have you found with the people you're working with or with yourself? Um, With the people that I'm working with, for myself, honestly, my own journey from being a college athlete and being an athlete, where it's like, ignore everything and get on the court as fast as possible is such a toxic and unhealthy relationship with your body yeah, and your mind because it is ignoring it and then not healing properly and all those things. But that's just the reality of being an athlete. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that things have come a, a further in the realm of, uh, injury, prehab, rehab, since I was an athlete as well, and maybe even yeah. better, but, Still, that toxic relationship of no, like, you know, the expectation from the coach that you are back on the court as fast as possible. There's no time for you to even like process what that uh, recovery process should be for yourself because the goal isn't to feel good, it's to get on the court. Um, right. And then, so it's just been a process over the last year, especially hiring a different coach for myself to um, unlearn those habits of ignoring my body when it's talking to me. Because when I'm, you know, telling my clients and teaching my clients that come in that have these uh, already innate thought processes of, oh, it's normal to live with pain. I'm just getting old. This is just how my body is. Like, that's not how it's supposed to be, but it's normalized. It's your lifestyle that's creating these issues. And we can undo that (laughs) to the best of our ability if you listen to your body as a conversation. Everything that it is telling you by this pain is asking for attention. And Mm. the, the ignorance or the ignorance of what that pain is, where it is, and just pushing through it is perpetuating the issue instead of actually listening to what it's telling you and acknowledging the emotions you have around it, as well as physically not doing the same thing over and over again, that's keeping you in pain. Wow. It's so it's, it's wild to hear you talk about it because, because it's almost as though back pain, which is, I think you had even said this when we were chatting in the past is just like the most, common injury or source of pain in the world in the world most common right? disability most common disability that's what it was is back pain which pretty much everybody seems to have like it's interesting to think about it from a cultural perspective that a big piece of the back pain everybody's feeling is more so around again praising overworking and overachieving and pushing yourself like mm-hmm that might actually be the source of it. It's not like 
some genetic thing where humans just at a, at age 24 start to get back pain. Like yeah. that's not a thing, you yeah. know? It's uh, a, and it, it comes back to the, the lifestyle and that, but back pain is multifactorial. That is something that people don't realize. It's not just the way you're sitting. It's the way you're sleeping, the way maybe your shoes. It's also your diet. How much inflammation is in your diet? How stressed are you? Back pain can pop up out of nowhere. It doesn't have to be a specific movement that caused it. Um, and for women, your time of the month can also make your back pain a lot more intense. Mm. And so it's a lot of factors that, and when someone comes to me, these are all questions that I ask them, not just physically what's happening. Like, how are you sitting? What's your job? All that kind of stuff. How much are you sleeping? How stressed are you? How is your diet? How is your supplementation? All these things come into play. It's not just, I bent over and I hurt myself. Although that is normally how people do it. Um, but there's a lot of factors to consider. Yeah. And if you bend over and hurt yourself, that might've been a cumulative response to the last several years, as opposed yes. to just like randomly my shoelaces did me in today, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I wanted to touch on that, what you just said, because I was thinking about this before we started and I was thinking about in my own life, back pain, right? That has happened for a wide variety of reasons at a variety of times including today and probably again later this week at some point and all of this kind of stuff is nobody like it could be caused by so many things like I even just using myself as an example I've had people from other trainers physical therapists to articles to just general knowledge to friends tell me things and from my own experience it's ranged from uh when I used to play drums and mm -hmm. sitting, you know what I mean? Playing drums and being, you know, hunched over to uh, my sleep position, to my hip mobility, to my mm -hmm. ankle mobility, uh, to my hamstrings and quads and glute strength, to I was running too much, to I was lifting too heavy or not lifting, to like stress, to my core strength, to my lower back strength itself. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, yeah. what? Is it's all of it. Like what, where does somebody even start with, if they say, and it seemed like lower back specifically, which seems especially common, mm -hmm. like where does somebody even start to figure it out or like untangle that if they're so overwhelmed by all the possible reasons they could have back pain. Right. Kind of like sifting through the noise. Yeah. Yeah. So if, like, for instance, if someone comes to me and they're like, I'm in an immense amount of back pain, you know, can you help me? First thing that I do is talk to them about all these factors, um, which is first lifestyle. How much are you sitting, moving throughout the day, kind of ticking that box off. Um, and then if they aren't moving a lot throughout the day, prescribing them more movement just point blank period. If you sit at a desk all day, try to get up and move as much as you can set a timer on your phone. So we set some actionable items for you to get moving. If you're sitting at a desk all day, then just walking, stretching, like whatever form of movement. Yeah. Like if you can, if you're like in meetings all day and the only thing you can do is get up and walk around for a couple minutes in between your meetings and do a couple stretches, do that and make sure you set a reminder for yourself to stop and do that. Because the reality is people just forget or it's not a part of their patterns. So we set a timer or an alarm on their phone and that way it becomes a, more of a habit. Mm. Uh, because it's the awareness that a lot of people don't have that they're just sitting for so long that their body's locked into one position. 
And, you know, it's not that being in one position is bad. It's being in one position for too long. That's going to kind of do you in. Um, and then from there, I, you know, also ask how they're sleeping. And if like, you know, a lot of tips that I give are putting a pillow underneath the knees to release the tension on the backside of the body. And then if you're a side sleeper as well, putting a pillow in between the knees so that it's not putting any like pulling tension on the hips, which could also pull the back too. So, so that's a pillow between your knees while sleeping is another place. I'm just like taking mental notes for myself tonight. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, depending on how you sleep, if you're a stomach sleeper, that's uh, probably the most God awful way you can sleep for your back, even though I do it sometimes too. I'm more of an all position sleeper. So yeah. um, I, I had to, and this is for everyone else who may be an all position sleeper too, or a stomach sleeper. I had to consciously before I went to bed, lay on my back and remind myself stay on your back, stay on your back. Or if I need to roll on my side, make sure I put a pillow in between my knees. And especially when I'm in pain, rolling over just doesn't work. It just hurts like hell. So, yeah. um, you know, the reminders already there, but right. when it comes to like, Oh, I can't, I can't sleep on my back. It's terrible. You can, you're just not willing to try. And, you know, if it's in an effort to stop your pain and you don't want to be in pain anymore, you will try. So those things and, you know, sleeping on your side, still okay. Just, you know, making sure your body's in a little bit better alignment while you're in a position for seven to eight hours, which is a good amount of time. Yeah. Worth it. Wow. Okay. So movement would be the first place to look. Like if somebody's not moving, totally sedentary, yeah. then sleep position's another place to look. Yep. What about as far as kind of the the mobility piece? Like this is something that I think everybody's heard the word mobility. A lot of people don't know what mobility even is, which is mm -hmm. understandable because it's just not, I don't know, that known of a thing. But um, can you talk about mobility, what it is, and maybe how mobility plays into back pain? Yeah. So uh, mobility has been an integral part of my journey um, from not being an athlete anymore and undoing the damage from all those injuries and what being an athlete did to my body. Um, and it's basically, you can't compare flexibility and mobility. They're different things. And a lot of people get them confused. Flexibility is being able to touch your toes while you're standing and just kind of like statically standing there. And like, I can reach and touch my toes. Now, mobility would be something of joint function. So like, instead of resting length of your muscles, we are actually taking your joint through a full active range of motion from every angle that that joint functionally is supposed to do mm -hmm. using the muscles that connect to that motion. And that's mobility. So you're taking it through an active full range of motion. It's more of an active input than a just passive. I'm sitting in this stretch flexibility input. Now, mobility can affect your flexibility, but flexibility isn't necessarily the same thing as mobility. Okay. Yeah. So from there, mobility is thinking about joint health and the health of your joints is ultimately going to determine, you know, how you feel on a daily basis when you move. Um, there's a full body routine that I do every morning for, from my neck all the way down to my ankles. 
and it's for joint maintenance. So it's really not improving my mobility, but it's giving my joints a daily dose of medicine to say like, Hey, like if, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's one of my favorite quotes. If you never reach over, if you stop reaching overhead for a week, try reaching overhead after not doing it and see how you feel. It's going to feel rough. Yeah. So um, this daily routine kind of takes your joints through their full range of motion daily to to give them the input that they have access to all this range of motion. Mm. Um, And our bodies are extremely efficient. They like to uh, our nervous system likes to, quote unquote, forget um, or, you know, take the path of least resistance. So if we're not doing something, let's say I'm sitting all day, every day, and I don't get a lot of movement, my body's going to forget how to internally rotate my hips or externally rotate my hips. Cause all I'm doing is sitting in hip flexion all day. And so my hip flexors are going to be really tight. My back is going to be tight because all it's doing is statically sitting here at this computer and it's not getting any rotation it's not getting any flexion or extension and those are all natural movements that our joints take and are supposed to take to be healthy right Um, so those are it's it's mobility that's going to keep your body feeling young basically wow you know we're, we're born being able to sit in a deep squat. We're born being able to do the splits, but over time, our body forgets how to do them because of our lifestyle, not mm-hmm. because we can't. I I found mobility is one of those things that when you look at people or a lot of trusted, respected people in the strength training world or fitness world of any kind, they mm-hmm. all will say that mobility is like the unlock. They love it. It's like the game changing thing for them. And nobody wants to do it. No, everybody just wants to do hit classes and burpees and, you know, all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yet the people they look up to, 100% of them are like, mobility is the game changer. You got to do it. Like, that's the thing. And everybody's like, that doesn't burn enough calories. Like, give me the thing mm-hmm. that burns calories. Like, mobility is not going to do it. How do you get people to care about mobility who kind of don't care? Mm. How do you do it? And maybe it's different if you're working with people who are in pain, because when you're in pain, you're more willing to listen to somebody, I think, than when you're not in pain and you feel kind of invincible. But Mm -hmm. how do you, like for me personally, starting, and I am by no means an expert, but over the last, I would say year or two, I started every, I mean, mobility is at the start of every one of my workouts, Mm -hmm. whether it's a run strength day, whatever it is, yoga, it doesn't even matter. I just feel better as a person. Like I, I will often cut my workouts short to make time for mobility Mm -hmm. and I just feel better, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but how do you, it's a hard sell. So navigate that. So I would agree on that. Like, you know, most of the people who are coming to me know that they're in pain and they don't want to be in pain and that mobility is or and starting to do mobility is an answer for them. Um, And I talk about it like that, too, on my social media and in person. And so for someone who doesn't see the value in it and isn't convinced um, you know, really all it takes is for them to come to my class or experience it themselves and then they get a taste of it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't force someone to see the value in it or, you know, really convince them if they don't feel that it is of value to them. 
Mm. Um, so, you know, a big part of what I do is just having people experience it to see the value because, you know, I, I have some people, a couple of clients right now that have literally said the same quote about what starting to do mobility and integrating it into their workouts has done for them. And they feel like it's crack. They're like, this is like crack. Like it's like, you feel so good after it. And then immediately like start seeing results in just daily life and not just the workouts, but daily life. Mm. Um, and, and that is a really freeing feeling. I also think there's an element. It's so true. I, I also think there's an element, especially working with a coach like you, right. Who gets it and, and understands this sort of stuff that I think people need sometimes like permission to do the slower thing, to do the less intense thing, mm-hmm. right? Like people need, and that applies to mobility, strength, you know, therapy, overworking, like work boundaries. I mean, it applies to so many things, Yeah, but I think there's like a relief in getting that permission to be like, it's okay. Let's do the thing that's actually going to feel good. Mm-hmm. We're not used to that culturally. And I think, and I know I keep going back to this theme, but anything related to fitness and the pain maybe associated with it, I find a lot of the time comes back to unlearning what we thought fitness was to begin with. And that's why I keep pushing on this. It's like fitness is not a thing you do to punish yourself. And it's not a thing you do to get a six pack. And like, usually it's one of those two things are like the only reasons people are working out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's a question, but. (laughs) but, (laughs) No, but I agree. Yeah. I agree that it's an unlearning and that it is just cultural culturally embedded to do the hard thing, burn the most calories. And that's, what's going to give you the value or how, how sore are you and not being able to walk when soreness is not a good indicator of whether or not you have had a good workout, you can still get an effective and uh, very uh, impactful workout without feeling like you got hit by a truck. Um, In fact, if you feel like if you walk out of the gym, feeling like you got hit by a truck every day, you are overdoing it. And over the next like couple months, you'll really feel the impact of that on your body. Mm. Um, and, you know, instead of making this forward, upward progress, your body's going to start to dip because it doesn't have the proper recovery time. Um, on the soreness front, on mm. the soreness front, I want to talk about that because that's like the number one misconception. I feel like people are like the more sore, the better. Mm-hmm. And they beat the shit out of themselves. So Mm -hmm. also unlearning, I always say to people, I'm like, soreness is a sign of overtraining. Like that means you did something unnecessarily hard and now you can't work out the next several days. Like that's not better. There's a, there's an appropriate dosage that I usually try to hit with my own clients and that you shouldn't feel like you can't fuck, you can't like sit on a toilet for three days because you squatted so much or did so much booty work you right. should feel a light amount of soreness to like, wow, I did something, but I can come in the next day and still do something. You know, if there's a, a, a happy medium of getting muscle damage because muscle soreness is muscle damage, which is just tiny micro tears in your muscle fibers. Now, if you take it too far, those muscle fibers need time to heal. And that's what the soreness feeling is the healing of those muscle, those micro tears in your muscle fibers. So if you don't give them the time 
then they're not going to like heal as fast as you want them to. Mm. And you're going to feel like you don't want to do anything too. So, you know, giving your body enough of a dosage to where you're still able to get volume because volume is overall what's going to give you the improvements in your strength that you want over time. Total volume over time is what's going to give you your strength. So from that, if you're able to keep up with the amount of volume, that's going to give you your strength gains with the amount of soreness you're getting and able to heal through that, that's going to be what's optimal for, you know, the path that, uh, isn't going to over, isn't going to give you the results from overtraining, which is kind of just. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Um, I think that's great. And so important. I think also I want to get into within a strength program, Mm -hmm. how do you like your work? I know a lot of it's on mobility and low back pain, but you, you mentioned, and we've talked about this, like pain-free strength training. Yeah. What does that mean? Pain-free strength training? Like, what does that feel like? What does that look like? Mm. Might be a weird question, but. No, it's a great question. When people think about it, they're like, yeah, of course I want to be pain-free. Like, I don't want to be in pain, but what why do you need to differentiate? Why do you need to say that? Like, what is pain-free strength training mean? So the reason why I differentiate that one, uh, one of my certifications is PPSC or pain-free performance, uh, specialist certification. And that has, you know, just given me a wealth of knowledge in adapting training to the client in front of me and the client's body of who's in front of me. So really being able to assess the person based off of their, the way that their hip bone actually sits in their socket or the way that their shoulder actually moves based off of maybe past injury or whatnot, you know, the, the instructors in these courses, um, that gave me this knowledge, like we're doing tests that, you know, physical therapists do in clinics in order to see like where your joint actually sits in a socket to be able to say like, Hey, like this is your optimal bench press position where your elbows should track. Let's do your bench press from here. Tell me if you still have shoulder pain when you press same thing when with the optimal squat position, I can find that optimal position for your foot based off of where your heel placement should be. And then the abduction of angle of your toes, and then give you the exact placement to put your feet to where you hit max depth and feel pain-free because your hips actually tracking exactly how it's meant to. And then from there, something like everybody loves to deadlift from the floor. Everybody loves to back squat, but we don't need to force feed those things. Those are not indicators of whether or not you are strong or whether or not you will build strength if you're deadlifting from the floor or back squatting. There are plenty of other variations of exercises that we can adapt that your body actually will thrive with. I haven't put a barbell on my back in like four or five years because I'm not going to put my spine under that much axial load and risk hurting my back even more. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody who, you know, does, that doesn't mean that back squatting is bad. It's just not for everybody. And it's not necessary to build leg strength. I have extremely strong legs and glutes, and I haven't put a barbell on my back in years. So it's really finding and fitting exercise to meet the person in front of me and encourage and empower them to see like, Hey, you can still be strong and you don't need to be deadlifting from the floor. We can elevate you on these plates and actually meet you where your hip mobility is at so that you don't 
put your back at risk for being injured, for being in a suboptimal position, trying to lift this weight off the floor. Mm. So it's really adapting training to personalize it for the person in front of me and making sure that they enjoy it as well. So it's, it sounds like, and I, I want to go back to the deadlifts and squats in a second, but, um, always fun, but, uh, (laughs) okay. It sounds like there's a combination of two things involved. One is the personalization piece, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying you're actually assessing where this person's mobility is at their range of motion, just like how everything is moving and feeling and functioning and then saying, okay, based on blank, you should actually make this adjustment to your form or let's put your hands here or let's, you know, put your toes here or whatever. And the second piece is um, the sort of progressions and regressions or modifications to those kind of foundational functional movements. Yeah. Right. So like there are, a dozen ways to squat beyond a barbell back squat. Yep. Like it's figuring out for which person the version of that squat that is actually going to be most effective and be pain-free. Yep. And then be able to build on that too. So when you look at that sort of thing, I mean, this is so, I feel like this is the dream. What you're doing is like every person on earth should do this or work with you Everybody <laughs> should work with you. Uh, but my but my point is when I think and let me let me share it this way. A few months ago, I had um trained for a half marathon and mm-hmm. was running, which is a whole separate thing. I don't even like running that much, but I was like, <laughs> let's just do it. Let's go for it. Challenge myself. There's a lot we get unpacked there in therapy for why yeah. I <laughs> like punish myself for no reason. But uh, beyond that, anyway, through that process, I had a run coach. It was like full on running mode, like doing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't lifting that much. Or when I was, it was kind of more so supporting the running. Mm -hmm. Uh, After it was done, I was like, in my head, the month prior, I'm like, I can't wait. I'm going to go into like heavy lifting mode after this. This is like, I can't wait to move on to the next phase, right? First day that in my head, I'm like the rock going in for my big strength day after four months of just running and barely, you know, lifting heavy weight or whatever. First thing I do after my mobility, barbell (laughs) back squat. First rep, I like tweak my back and I'm just like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, fuck Mm -hmm. this. Um, So again, beyond therapy and exploring all of my my demons, uh, (laughs) physically, right? Yeah. Like I'm so pumped. This is going to be strength time. I go in and do this back squat, feel this tweak in my low back. I'm, I would like to think I'm mature enough to be like, okay, I'm not going to push through this. So I stopped after the first rep, did a bunch of other stuff and it was fine. It wasn't anything severe, mm. but, but the reminder is, okay, you can have benefits of squatting without going into something like a back squat, right? Or deadlifting without a deadlift where you're like, well, hopefully I don't throw out my back today. Like there's kind of this feeling of like all or nothing with some of the strength training world. Yeah. Um, so long, long-winded way of saying if somebody is wanting to do kind of heavier strength work, like what, what are a few places if somebody doesn't have access to you or a yeah. coach, like if they're on their own, they're at, you know, a big box gym, lifting, whatever, how do they even begin that process to know how to modify or personalize it? 
Well, you know, the whole joint assessment itself is hard to do without a coach yeah. uh, or a PPSC coach in that or an FRC coach as well. But um, as far as picking exercise variation, just know that like back squatting is not the end all be all. And, you know, in, in the PPSC, we have, you know, actual, um, we have pyramids of exercises in which at the bottom of the pyramid is the most baseline level regressed movement that we look at and build on top of, especially if we have somebody who may be coming to me or if I have somebody who's coming to me in pain or just starting to learn to work out, I would start with the bottom exercise on the pyramid, see how they do. If they do really well with that, I move them up to the next exercise on the top of that pyramid in our squat pyramid is the barbell back squat. It's the tippity tippity top smallest part of the triangle. It's because it's the most advanced squat movement you could do. So if that gives you perspective, mm. um, the squat that's at the bottom of the pyramid is a goblet squat or body, body weight squat rather, um, with some TRX assistance, mm. most regrets you can do if someone can't fully sit into a squat without, uh, you know, kind of hobbling over, um, you know, I would, I would really like to see that somebody can get to a squat depth of a bench is a good place to start with proper, uh, mobility to where their back's not going into a butt wink by the time they hit that bench and that their feet are staying fully grounded the whole time. You know, a lot of people's toes come up, all that kind of stuff, but we want that foot to be fully grounded, locked in hand and fist. If they can fully squat, engaging properly down to a bench and come back up, then I'll put a weight in their hands Mm. and go from there. And then if they have more mobility than the depth of that bench, then we may, we bump them down a little bit lower. Can they achieve that depth with a weight in their hands and looking biomechanically in line? Um, so if someone were starting out and wondering, Hey, like, should I be barbell back squatting? If you're achieving a successful barbell back squat, you have no pain and your form looks good from a side angle where you, you have no butt wink at the bottom and your feet are staying grounded. You're good to go as well as being able to break that bar into your back too. Um, you're good to go. But if you have a bunch of flaws in your form and you're continuing to back squat, I wouldn't be too happy about it. Um, <laughs> I would probably yeah. reduce you. Yeah. And I think it's probably 1% of the population that is able to comfortably barbell back squat with great form and feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and same with deadlifting from the floor. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Um, and what about somebody who has low back pain? So we've talked about sleep. We've talked about mobility. We've talked about just general movement. We've talked about thoughtful strength training and kind of regressions, modifications, personalization, hiring a coach like yourself. Um, beyond that sort of stuff, if somebody has back pain, mm -hmm. should they look to strength training in the first place or should they take it easy? I mean, I know it depends on the person and the severity and that sort of thing, but I think a common question is, okay, my back hurts for whatever reason. Should I do nothing? Should I just ice it and heat it and lay on the couch? Should I stretch it? Should I go to a chiropractor? Like what's the even decision-making like? Like how does somebody know or where do they start with that kind of stuff? So the worst thing you can do is absolutely nothing and just lay around because it's, it's just kind of perpetuating. Yes, it's resting, but it's perpetuating the fact that you're still doing nothing. <laughs> and, um, 
you know, even through my worst flare-ups this past year, I made sure even if walking was painful, I still walked because it's getting blood flow to the area and that's going to help the healing. Um, and, and in the worst of it, it's, um, treating things, um, more with forward thinking rather than I'm in pain. I can't move. I can't do anything. It's very restrictive to think that way. Right. So when I'm treating myself and other people trying to shift their headspace to like, what can you do? What can you do pain-free right now? And let's focus on the ideal of that. Let's, let's keep that at the forefront. And so I start, you know, obviously it depends on, you know, what if hip mobility is the issue or, you know, back mobility. It's usually a combination of those things where I'm addressing hip mobility, back mobility, and stability at the same time and layering that all together for movement purposes. And um, with that, you know, I think that just laying around icing and heating and not doing any active input is going to keep you in the hole that you're in. It's not moving you forward. It's just kind of keeping you from like, oh, I'm going to take Advil and I'm just going to like lay on the couch and this this passive input of treatment is going to cure me. It may for a short period of time, but it's not going to be what keeps you out of pain effectively. And it's not going to be what builds the foundation for you next time this happens because it inevitably will. Everybody mm. in the world will experience some kind of episode of low back pain in their life. It is just a fact. Um, and if you never do, God bless you. But it is more of, you know, integrating these things as a part of your lifestyle to give you a better foundation for when it does happen, that it's not as bad. And you have the tools to get yourself out of it faster mm-hmm. and give your body the inputs that it needs um, to heal. So, you know, just passively skating by. And I always recommend seeing a chiropractor that does more than just crack you and send you away. So a chiropractor that will give you active muscle release and do somewhat of what would be considered like a sports style chiropractor mm-hmm. uh, and actually work with you on a holistic level, not just cracking your bones and saying you're good. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it does make sense, right? Because like a lot of people are like, my back hurts. I need to just lay on the couch and maybe have a heating pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting some movement, like you're talking about walking, some light stretching. Um, yeah. It brings in the blood flow to that area, right? Like improves yeah. the circulation. And then touching on the mobility, like you're talking about hip mobility, glutes back, like all of that being so tightly connected. Yeah. Your glutes and your hips directly support your low back. They're right underneath it. So, you know, it, and typically in the work, I work very closely with the chiropractors at the gym that I work at in purpose, uh, in person. And typically, you know, if, you know, back pain is on one side more than the other, the, the glute on that side will have trouble firing correctly. And so the passive input of having a chiropractor do some active muscle release on that area for then them to be able to come up to me immediately after their chiropractor session and do some hip mobility and, and actually actively give the joint an input and the nervous system an input to that area that it can then work and support your low back is like the dream situation right there. Really? Okay. So diving into that, I, this is just as, just to say it, you're mm-hmm. brilliant. And this is so 
helpful and amazing. I feel like you're answering, this is just like a back pain masterclass. It's like every <laughs> common question, um, as it should be, by the way, like this is how people get information that's accurate, you know, but um, talking about that. So a lot of the time there is back pain on one side more than the other. Mm -hmm. And so like you're saying, a lot of times that's connected to your glutes. Is that what it is? Your glutes and your hips on that side are probably not as strong or don't have as uh, wide a range of motion. Or is that like a common place to look like on one side, look at your hip mobility, look at your glute strength on that side? Yeah. 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 Um, a common <laughs> test uh, that the chiropractor will do is um, you know, resisting the leg lifting up and seeing if that glute can actually resist the push of the force of the leg down. And nine times out of 10, it's going to fall because the glute, the connection, the nervous system, the neuro neuromuscular connection just isn't firing correctly. And some active, uh, muscle release will kind of get in there. And that's where like massage and stuff like that, like there's a time for passive input and there's a time for active input and ideally getting them to work together one after the other is going to like give you a really great result. Um, it's not to say that mobility is king over like fascial work though. And it's not to say fascial work is king over mobility. Having them together is like the ideal situation for your nervous system and your body to figure things out. Um, and it would be really blind of me to say like, no, just work with me and do mobility and it'll fix you. Like you need a holistic approach to this. Yeah. And that's where I see a lot of progress with clients. Um, and the hips and the low back, that connection, like if you think about the way that your body's structured, most of the time, something down chain is going to affect something directly above it. So if you're lacking in your hip mobility, maybe, uh, so very commonly people lack in hip internal rotation and have back pain as a result of that, as well as lacking in their hip external rotation. Um, let's use myself for an example. My external rotation is absolutely amazing. I can sit in butterfly and both my knees can touch the ground. My hip internal rotation, however, sucks. And that is a major part of why I get repeated episodes of back pain, because if I go into a deep squat, there's certain points in a squat where your hip will externally and internally rotate. Mm -hmm. Once you achieve a deep squat position, you need a certain amount of hip internal rotation for your body to really be able to sit there comfortably and not put the load in places that it shouldn't be. And by that, if it's not in your hips, it's in your low back. That's where the butt wink comes from when you're squatting. Wow. So when you look okay. at somebody from the side and they're squatting and their butt starts to do this little curve under once they get asked to grass, that's a butt wink. And that is load no longer in your hips, but in your low back. Wow. Okay. Okay. So how does somebody improve beyond hiring a coach, mm -hmm. right? If somebody says, all right, I have back pain. It's got to be something in my glutes and hips. Mm -hmm. Are there specific um, exercises that are go-to to improve glute strength beyond necessarily squatting, something super targeted? Is there like, are there two or three main exercises for hip mobility or uh, glute strength that you would recommend everybody do? Yeah. So some go-tos that I do with everybody, uh, cars. I talk about cars all the time. 
it stands for controlled articular rotations and it's take it's that full body routine that i do every day it's taking your hip through its full range of motion and i would recommend hip cars as a, it's the most baseline foundational mobility movement you can do it is not easy to learn initially and having someone teach you is the best way to learn it but like i have an online course where i teach this entire routine as well uh, but you know, if you have somebody who's able to guide you in person and say like, no, this is what that feels like, and this is what should be firing that helps. Wow. Um, and so hip cars are a great place to start. And then, you know, opening up each side, whether it's internal or external rotation, a great place to start for external or both of them is to do what's called capsule cars where we're kind of just like teaching your body how to find those two end ranges and connect to those end ranges. And then something else I would throw in there would be maybe some 90-90 work where you're sitting on the floor and doing some 90-90, uh, just like half openers to teach your body how to externally rotate. And then maybe lifting the actual foot, which would get you into that internal rotation. And those are some easy go-to ones that you might see all over social media already. Um, but there's a, a very particular way that they should be done that I usually see on social media people aren't doing. Yeah. Um, that's so helpful. Yeah. And when you, when you look at your um, client base and kind of zooming out, so I know we just got a lot of like, that we went deep technical questions there, which is amazing. Yeah. But on a broader scale, what, like if somebody is suffering back pain, I think one of the most challenging pieces is feeling a lack of control of their own life, mm. right? Like on a much larger scale, like wanting to do something that you physically cannot do mm. might be the worst feeling there is. Like that is a horrible feeling. Yeah. So beyond the physical, on the mental, emotional, what are some reminders, insights through the process on like a psychological, emotional level that if anybody is listening to this back pain or that you found helpful just in the population you serve? So I would say that you know, it is, you know, experiencing and being in pain extremely, it feels extremely debilitating, you know, to wake up in the morning, whether you already were sleeping and were in pain, and then you get up and you roll out of bed and you're like, I'm in pain. And then you get in your car and you're like, I'm in pain. Like it just, it is like, you're getting constantly beaten down when you're in that much pain. And it is um, something that needs to be acknowledged by yourself, first and foremost, that you are feeling all of this frustration and anger around it instead of just acting out about it. So like, I'm freaking angry about my back pain right now. It hurts so bad. And whatever emotions are coming up with that, like acknowledging them, whether it's you need to cry, whether it's you are so angry, you need to scream. I use my car as my glass case of emotion and I will scream my head off in there about it. I will cry my eyes out about it and let it pass and from there um really just reminding yourself like it's temporary 
so long as you are taking the steps to take care of yourself in the process of healing and feeling better, it is temporary. It is not going to last forever. I promise you that. And, you know, seeking the resources to take care of yourself and stay in tune with yourself in that process will get you to the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and that was something for me because I had several bouts of like really severe back pain um, that reminding myself that I am in control of how I kind of acknowledge this. I'm not in control of how much pain I'm in per se, but I'm in control and command of how I perceive this and how I move forward out of this. So uh, mentally just holding on to those uh, those notes and knowing that I've been through this before, I can get through it again. And, you know, it, big frustration for me when I had repeated bouts of it, um, if anyone else um, listening is struggling with that as well, it can also feel like I'm be- you're beating your head against a wall. And I've been here before. I thought I did everything that I could to stop this from happening, like especially me as a coach you know, uh, and, and being vulnerable about like, I'm in pain again, uh, is, you know, it feels like, uh, who am I now? Like I help other people get out of pain and I can even help myself. Like that story is just woo, a spiral. Um, but realistically, well. yeah, realistically, and you know, a line from my therapist really got me <laughs> out of that. And she was like, Alyssa, sometimes shit just happens. <laughs> like, you can do everything you think you can to prevent something from happening, but sometimes shit just happens. And accepting that, all right, I'm in pain. It's going to be temporary. All I can do now is X, Y, Z, the steps that I know are going to bring me forward. And um, what can I do mentally instead of what can't I do? Um, as well as, um, you know, just just believing that, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because there is one of the things that I've found in my own um, experience personally, and as a health coach now, after going through a big health journey yeah, um, is that imposter syndrome. It is intense when you are experiencing something that you're coaching somebody else through at the same time, for example, which does happen. And I think hopefully people recognize that, that we're all, (laughs) we're humans, but I, what I've worked through is flipping it into the framework of if part of the goal of this type of work and coaching is to connect with everyday people and have empathy, then the fact that you've gone through it or are going through it actually makes you a better coach than somebody who has either just genetically gifted and never struggled with the thing. Like how helpful is that person as a coach if they can't actually relate to what you're going through? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it is intense though. When you're mm-hmm. like, wait, I'm supposed to be the master of this. I'm supposed to be the expert of this. And now my back hurts too, or whatever it is, you know? Um, interesting. Okay. So putting all of this together, putting yeah. all of this together, uh, this has been so amazing. And so helpful. Um, we've talked through, I mean, everything from hip mobility to back pain directly to strength training and pain-free strength training, um, glute strength, 
running, mental health, emotional health, all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I ask everybody this to close it out. Final question, drum roll, is how would you define true health? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. I would uh I would define true health as mentally, physically, spiritually feeling aligned with who you are and um how you are showing up and it's not just a one-dimensional thing it's 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 more of all-encompassing who you are and how you are as a person and all of that bleeding from the inside out um really showing what true health is because if you aren't doing well on the inside you're not going to be doing well on the outside either i love it that's beautiful um, I said this earlier, I said it actually throughout our conversation, but you are a true sort of oasis in the midst of um, a bunch of noise and clutter and uh, false information. It's so refreshing what you're doing and that you're taking something that is often viewed, whether consciously or subconsciously, as a source of punishment and like self-punishment. Um and flipping it into an empowered, positive experience. Like that is what the world needs. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you Amazing. for all the kind words and um, just giving me a chance to share. For for anybody who wants to work with you, what is the best way for them to work with you to find what you're doing online? Are you only doing in person? Do you work with people virtually? Do you have programs? Like where 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 should they look? Uh, so currently I work with people in person and online. Uh, I, I see people, you know, throughout the day in person, but then I also just recently launched a couple online courses as well as really working with people for remote coaching as well. So whether that includes virtual sessions or just virtual coaching and programming, uh, where we have an initial session and then you're off to do the program that I've written for you with coaching feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, so the best way to contact me, you can contact me through Instagram. Um, there's a link in my bio where there's a direct reach out in there, or you can just send me a DM. Um, cool. And it's, uh, it's easy to really work with me now that I've kind of expanded to online. And if, you know, working with me directly um, isn't in the cards, then you could check out my online courses. I have an online low back pain course. I also have a uh, introduction uh, to mobility, mobility for beginners course. And then I have a couple free ones. Uh, I have a free mini course on hip mobility. Uh, so you can try that out. And then a little intro to the energy mitigates low back pain course. It's called the EMP big three. And so that's like a little taste of it. And if you want a little bit more, you can jump into the full course. That's amazing. Uh, it's amazing you offer so much. So everybody listening, check it out. I'm going to put links in the episode notes as well. Um, thank you so much. This is great. Thank you. Yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, of course. All right, everybody, check out her stuff. And um, thank you. Have a great rest of your day.